All right, hey, what's up, everyone? Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace, uh, back with not just an audio edition of our monthly podcast behind the series, but a video edition with our favorite co-host, Amber L.B. Swenson. Amber, how are you today? I'm wonderful. Yeah? How are you doing? I'm good. So, Amber, normally you and I see each other on a screen through a Zoom and record audio, but we're here, we're making a video while we do the audio. So why are you here at my church, our church in Appleton, Wisconsin? Yeah, I was asked to come to speak to the women's group. They had a Christmas party today. Mm -hmm. And so I got to speak to some wonderful moms who are on fire for the Lord. And I was able to encourage them and give them some tips on parenting for the long haul. Because I'm at at a much further down the road than they are right now. So I was super happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for being one of the many people that God is using to bless our congregation. So yeah, we appreciate for sure. you being here. Happy to be here. You and I have these festive holiday cups because we're recording it before Christmas. Yes. And I've, I've actually thought of you a couple of times since our last podcast <laughs> because I, I learned that you have kind of a love-hate relationship with American Christmas. So I just want to know, how's your soul? I think, I want to know, have you been praying for me? <laughs> have I? Someone's oh, praying for me. Not, I don't know. I feel bad if I say <laughs> No, no, you don't have to say. But I have had the best Christmas season than I've had in a long time. What? And honestly, I I just feel redeemed. Wow. Yeah. I, and, and a clue I, why? What's different? Um, probably a couple of different things. For one thing, I think I hear more of the same message that more and more people are recognized recognizing that the sanitized version of Christmas is mm. not the real one. Yeah. So I hear more and more people being like, eh, you know, yeah. and I think um, I'm at a different place in life. Hmm. You know, like my father-in-law died right before Christmas, like 17 years ago. And I just had a, we had an in-home Bible study a couple days ago. And mm-hmm. um, one of the women was saying, you know, like Christmas is hard because her mom died three years ago. Yep. And I was able to say to her, it'll get better. Like a lot of people have lost someone at Christmas and it kind of yeah. makes you jaded for a while. And then yep. then you get to a point of like, you know, you're not going to bring them back. Yeah. So you might as well be happy. So true. Wow. So, um, yeah, it's been a great it's been a great season. Awesome. Well, you and I are in the home stretch getting ready for Christmas. Yeah. Everyone who's watching or who's listening right now, um, they're past that. It's 2023. Oh my. It's a brand new year. So you and I are going to talk about our January sermon series called What Was I Thinking? And kind of the summary of the series is that you need to think about what you're thinking about. I think the average person knows yeah. what happens inside your head. Um, your headspace is super important with our behavior, with our beliefs. Uh, but this sermon series is kind of built on the premise that your first thought is rarely your best thought, and it is rarely God's thought. So you have to ask yourself the question, what was I thinking? What am I thinking? And is what I'm thinking match up with what God's thinking? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to explore that with you in the next couple of minutes. Yeah. So the first sermon is take control of my thoughts. And what you just said is exactly the first thing I wanted to ask you hmm. is you start with that premise that at least some, possibly most <laughs> of our thoughts mm-hmm. are not necessarily right. Mm-hmm. So how how can you come to that conclusion or what brought you to that conclusion? <laughs> I mean, you must not hang out with me enough. <laughs> My first is usually pretty on the on the dot. You know, no, I'm, that, I'm that's, joking. That's so true. No, that's so true. Yeah, yeah. How can I be sure of that? My three part answer would be myself, every other human I've met, and the Bible. <laughs> so, I mean, you can probably think of a kid or a friend or a mm-hmm. sibling who thought, yeah. a, and they were so far off. 
I just assumed this or I was anxious about because I knew this was going to happen. Well, guess what? It didn't. Yeah. So we could come up with triple digit examples of other people and then our own lives where we jumped to some conclusion and we were afraid, but we really didn't need to be afraid or we thought it was going to be perfect and yeah. it was not perfect. Or we assumed we knew why our spouse did that thing. And then we actually talked to them and like, well, we were like light years away from their actual motivation. And that all backs up what the Bible says. Um, you know, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Um, Proverbs 3 is a classic Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, yeah. which is a fancy way of saying you might think it, but don't lean on that. Mm -hmm. Instead, look to God and, and trust in what he says. So I, I found that when I typed in like a search of words like thinking or thought or thoughts into the Bible, I found passages like, and Lot warned his sons-in-laws that Sodom would be destroyed, but they thought he was joking. So even that verb in the Bible yeah. is a reminder, oh, not... <laughs> Sometimes there's huge consequences when you thought wrong. Mm -hmm. So that's where the series comes from. What, what am I thinking? And is it true? Is it biblical? Is it from God? Yeah, you brought up a couple of times just the idea that we assume a lot. Hmm. And this sermon will, this sermon and the whole series is going to help a lot of people hmm. to get through because so much, like you said, marriage 101. Yeah. You're probably not thinking yeah. <laughs> the right thing about your spouse. So yeah. you probably better open your mouth and figure it out. Yes. Yeah. So, so true. It's so important. Has this ever happened to you where you like think something like, well, if I do this, I bet that person's going to say that. And then like you go out on this like dark demonic hole and suddenly you're mad at this happened to me yesterday. I'm like, wait, but they never said that. Mm -hmm. I'm just picturing them saying that. So my, you know, my thoughts, Yeah, it's almost like a cliff where yeah. you think one wrong thought and then you're just tumbling down it and you end up frustrated or mad or scared or anxious. Yeah. So this is hugely important in our, not just emotional, but our spiritual lives too. I think men understand this more than women because every man has had their wife angry at them for something that they actually didn't do. <laughs> but in our mind, we thought they did and we yes. assume that they did it. And it's like, you know, I can already be 10 miles ahead of my husband. Like, and since you didn't take out the garbage, <laughs> I had to get up early. And then, and then, and then he's like, wait a second. I, it's not even you garbage told day. Me that, yeah, like, <laughs> you told me that he was taking out the garbage today. And if he didn't take, I mean, that was, not, yes. I'm like, oh, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Have you ever heard that Jim Gaffigan, the comedian? Oh, I love him. He's like watching a movie with his wife and there's some like bozo husband in the movie. He's like, she starts at... getting mad at me. And I look at her and say, I didn't do it. But you would have. But you would have. Think yes. again. Yes. So you direct us to Philippians 4, 8. Great passage. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Mm -hmm. And Paul is saying that we have a choice as what we as to what we think about. Yeah. It just occurred to me that this might be the first time that people really think that way. Mm. Do you think I'm wrong? I mean, I think this is kind of eye-opening. Like, no, you don't have to think, you don't have to yeah. go down this path. Yeah. You can yep. choose yep. to go a different path. Yeah. This might sound uh, odd, but I think thoughts are a little bit like lust. Maybe you can't control the first mm -hmm. thing. You know, you, you notice someone attractive. Yeah. Maybe you can't control the first thing that kind of pops into your head. But then the, the second look or the second thought really is your responsibility. Mm -hmm. So is this good and is this godly? No, I'm, I'm going to bounce my eyes away from that to honor my wife and to honor my God. And the same thing, I actually looked in the Greek of Philippians 4 before our conversation. It's the kind of verb in Greek that means keep, keep thinking yeah. about such things. So this is a kind of lifestyle that God calls us to, like 
think about your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then an hour from now, think about your thoughts. And then tomorrow and until you die. Yeah. Think about your thoughts. As long as you're battling the sinful nature, it's going to want to twist it and go too far with it. Like the second thought is your responsibility. So mm-hmm. think about it. Is it true? Why are you thinking that? Do you have evidence to think that way? Is that biblical? Mm-hmm. And man, maybe we never were empowered to do that. Yeah. But it's a it's a it's a game changer. It's a huge game changer once yeah. you figure this out. And it's not a sin to be tempted. I mean, like Yes. If people don't understand that too, then when the temptation comes, you haven't done anything yet. It's like you said, mm-hmm. what do you do with it? Yep. From there. That's where you either fall into sin or don't fall into sin. Yes. So it's a good reminder that we have a choice. Yeah. Amen to that. At the end of the sermon, oh, I love that. You suggested that people find their Pauls because the Apostle Paul was in prison when he wrote this in Philippians and mm-hmm. he was able to say, hey, guys, like I'm not dwelling on the negative. I'm I'm getting past it. And this is what I'm choosing to dwell on. Yep. And you said, you know, if you have cancer, find somebody else who's had cancer or is going through cancer treatment and they seem to always be happy or at least you know, joyful or they're getting mm-hmm. through it without grumbling or, so I was just wondering who have some of the Pauls in your life been? Oh man. When I saw your question, I immediately thought of a uh, husband and wife who are really good friends of mine. Their names are Tony and Amna. Mm-hmm. I forget if I've told you about them before. Mm-hmm. So they came to our church soon after I did here in 2014. Um, Amna, the wife had never been in a church in her entire life. Zero, zero weddings, zero funerals, zero Christmases, zero Easter's. Um, she came. We were talking about Abraham. She came back. She dragged her boyfriend with her, Tony. And then that Christmas, I got to baptize both of them and their two children. And they've become some of my closest friends. And here's what I love about them. They know everything about me. They love me and God. And they don't care that I'm the pastor. Yeah. So they know, for example, like one of my biggest struggles with thoughts, um, we call it the Sunday blues where after church is over, I that's as emotionally low as I get. Mm-hmm. And I just like, my brain is dead, I'm tired, and I think all kinds of untrue things. I read people's... Exp- that's pretty normal, you know. You've read about Elijah. I have, yeah. Yeah, after the highs. <laughs> Mount Carmel to crash. the, like, I want to die. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there could be 500 people in church, and I'll think of the one person who yawned. Yeah. <laughs> and And that becomes the like... Everyone was bored. It was so stupid. I should quit. <laughs> the last pastor at our church called it Milk Truck Mondays. Yeah. Where like, I'm gonna tr- I'm quitting and I'm going to drive a milk truck for the rest of my life because I'm terrible at what I do. You're going to so, live in a van down by the road. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. So I'm going to Tony know that about me. I often hang out with them on church on Sunday nights and they'll, they'll ask me about it. They're blunt to say, stop yeah. it. Okay. You might think that, but that's not true. Uh-huh. You don't know that. Don't forget about all these other amazing things that happen in church. Yeah. And so just having people like that to correct me and call me out and show compassion mm-hmm. when they know like that part of my headspace, that's, yep. it's a battle and it's one that I rarely win. So that's been hugely helpful to not just fight that alone, mm-hmm. but like you're saying, to have the pulse. Yeah. So how about you? Let me throw the question back you at you. You know, Pastor Shupi. I do. And I've talked about it before and I'm not going to go into the whole scenario, but he taught me that often that is demonic, Hmm. not just my sinful nature going, you suck or whatever, but demonic because what does Satan want to do? He wants to paralyze you. He wants you to quit. He doesn't want you to get up and proclaim the word of God again. Yes. And that changed everything for me Hmm. because I tell Satan, shut up all the time now. (laughs) I do. I do. I'm like, I get those thoughts Yep. and I say, would God say that? Mm, yes. Would God say, Amber, you suck? No, nope, I've read his word. So then I'm like, okay, that's Satan. Shut up. Done. Wow. And Pastor Shippey was instrumental in that. Like, wow. huge. Wow. 
That's awesome. Yeah. That's so good. We we could just stop the podcast there. Okay, but we got more goodbye. to talk about. So <laughs> you and I could never be done talking that quickly. Sermon two, listen to the right words. You go through Isaiah 55, the whole chapter. Mm. Fabulous. Everybody should read it and listen to the sermon. But God's invitation is come, listen, and why? First of all, because of God's laws, which might take some people off guard. We don't often talk like, hey, come, listen to my words because I've got some laws here. I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to I'm gonna correct your life. Yes. I'm, yeah. I, I teach my teens Bible study every Sunday. Yeah. I'm continually telling them what the commandments are for. Mm. So why should we care about God's commands? Does God hate us? And want us to live a miserable life. <laughs> yes. Because I think some people think that. Yeah. Let's apply it to like people that came before us. Imagine it's, let's say the, the 1820s. It's an American plantation. Hmm. Would you want that plantation owner to care about the laws of God? Or would you say, no, these laws are all restrictive. Yeah. Yep. Culturally, what he's being taught is that this is okay. This is normal. And he needs God through his word to interrupt him and say, no, mm-hmm. like you are conforming to the ways of this world and they are, they're godless and they're destructive and they're sinful. So is it possible that maybe different forms of that same thing happen where in our day, there's things that are normalized. It's okay to gossip about is people. It it's, it's okay to trip, <laughs> right? So, I mean, we'd probably say we are not the perfect generation. Yeah. So maybe... 200 years from now, people are going to look back and say, I'm so glad God's laws interrupted what you were thinking as a culture. So I think of Romans 12, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, there's a bunch of stuff and we could go into that for a long time. But we, I think we know other cultures and other generations needed to be corrected with the word. Mm -hmm. And it's probably right and humble of us to think, uh, yeah, we needed to. Yeah. It's for our protection. It's not for our you know, to ruin our life. Yeah. It's 100%. God is good. So then a lot of people are looking for love, uh, mostly in all the wrong places. They're mm. looking for love, acceptance, respect, and God is consistently calling, 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 calling. Yes. And I love how you say that. He's like your friend who keeps texting like, hey, are you there? Hey, 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 hey. Like, are you there? <laughs> why aren't you picking up? Why? Are, why? Like, he doesn't just say come once and, you know, listen once. He's like th- all throughout this. He's like, yeah. hey, 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 you. Yes. Which is loving. That's God's love, you know, tapping you and whatever. So how do we access God's love by reading the Bible? There are people who say, I don't understand the Bible. Like when I read the Bible, I read a Psalm. I'm like not seeing God's love here. So good for you if you're finding God's love in the Bible. But mm. yeah, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, some passages are a little bit more poetic and hard to see it than others. But maybe a simple way would be, Open up a Bible to any character. Do a little sketch of what you know about that person. Peter, Paul, Abraham, Mm -hmm. David. (laughs) And then see if you can find evidence that God loved that person. Yeah. And you're going to find Noah getting hammered drunk and passing out like hillbilly naked (laughs) after God saved him. And say, well, but God didn't give up on him. Wow, God can love people who really make huge mistakes after real big blessings or or David with his adultery or Paul with his violence or Peter with his cowardice. Mm -hmm. So you start to realize, oh, God and Martin Luther loved to say this, that God inspired a whole book that proves his love for all kinds of sinners. Yeah. And that proves that that same God loves sinners today. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put it this way. Karma is a natural thought, but grace is not. 
Yeah. And the Bible is just so full of God has no reason to love these people. Right. Why is it? Why is Israel still on the map? He just should have like Sodom and Gomorrah the whole place. Why are we still? Why <laughs> like not Israel? Like, yes. Why are we? And that's just like God's yeah. long history of faithfulness and compassion and patience. So, yep, the Bible can be a challenging book to read, but I th- I think anyone could find hundreds of examples of like, oh, I did not expect God to love that person. Yeah. But he does. And mm-hmm. that makes me think again about what kind of God he is and what kind of forgiveness is mine. And the fact that the whole, the, the Bible is the living word of God mm-hmm. and that people who love God's word and get into it regularly, you know, I know. So many times I open the Bible and it is exactly what I need to hear that day. Yeah. Like that's God's love. Yes. I'm praying for direction or I don't know what I'm doing or I don't have peace or I don't. And I open up the word just reading my regular daily stuff. And it's like God is honestly sending a hug Boom. through <laughs> his word. Like, oh, I, I know. Yes. Here you go. You just have to open it up yes. to get it. So. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, You had already mentioned this passage. God says in Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. And you pointed out that if we're not in the word, we're just saying our thoughts. Hmm. Like we're talking our thoughts. The news people are talking their thoughts, like Facebook, all people's thoughts. Yes. And it seems so insignificant that that's what we spend so (laughs) much time listening to. Yes. It's so easy to ignore God's word. And we just keep chattering about our thoughts. Yeah. So what are some of the worldly chatter things that you still get sucked into? Oh man. Listening to and Yep. It's so humbling to th- you know, we like to think of ourselves as fairly independent, self-sufficient thinking people, and it just it strikes me how moldable and persuadable we are. Mm-hmm. This is a dumb example, but how many people these days have a pair of shoes in their closet with a white stripe on the bottom? You know, I'm, look at this. I'm wearing, <laughs> if you're watching on the camera, like I'm wearing dress shoes that like they're blue shoes. 20 years ago, they would have been all blue shoes, but now they have the white stripe on the bottom. I see like NFL broadcasters wearing their suits with the shoes with the white stripe on the bottom. I see the running shoes that I run. Like how did, how did that become fashionable to us? Well, the answer is like the world. Yeah. Someone told us it, it caught on in popularity and suddenly that's what I feel and what I think yep. looks good. So we so are true. we are so moldable and so persuadable. Um, but you asked me a specific question. What yeah. What do I believe? Um, I think it is still, and this is, Satan knows what bait works best. And I think for me being a competitive person and an achievement driven person, like when the numbers don't make me look impressive, mm-hmm. Like, oh, that is a that is a soul level battle for me. Yeah. So I, I remember <laughs> as a young pastor, I remember feeling that when someone says something really nice, like, oh, Pastor, I love your sermon so much. And, and I love the, the other pastor. Yeah. You guys both pre. And you're like, wait, well, both? Uh, wait, wait, I thought, what about me? <laughs> I, I thought you were saying like Come I had this spe- special gift. You, oh, you're just grateful for the word of God in general. You know, my heart, like that's so, it's so foul to actually say out loud, but that is how I, that's what I thought. That's what I felt about it. So, man, 42 now, and even though I'm maybe recognizing it as the first step, yeah. but just it's okay to be average. There's times you're mediocre. There's times you're the worst. Yeah. There's times you're the best. And just not putting my joy and my happiness there. Like five people came to church or 500, whatever. 
thank you, God, that I, I know you and I get yeah. to preach your word. Mm-hmm. Um, I put a post on social media, did my best. Mm-hmm. One person liked it or a million people watched it. Yeah. Well, okay. What that, Why would I put my joy in those kind of things? But I do all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's probably my battle of like, mm-hmm. can I rejoice in mediocrity? And uh, that's a fierce fight for a competitive person. Which is crazy because I don't see anything about you being mediocre. I mean, what you don't understand and I think is so good for us to remember is that, um, you know, I think about all the time, the small town pastors who have 30 people at best mm-hmm. who come to their church. What's what's good for them? You know, is it good if they show up on Sunday? I mean, if yeah. it, like just being mm-hmm. faithful. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah, and you're so blessed. I mean, you have great messages and that's just Satan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. But it probably affects all of us. How you want to be the great parent it who stands out. It doesn't affect me at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was assuming. You're, you're, just, the, you're the asterisk after almost every statement totally I make. It totally affects me. I'm wearing footnote. makeup today. <laughs> there is no joke. Like, I also get drawn into this. Yeah. Yes. Let me throw, can I ask you a personal question? How about yeah. you? Like what? You've had a lot of years of following Jesus. Is there just one thought that even after all this time, all this study, that's still hard for you to shake that you know isn't true? Oh, I'm never enough. I'm the perfectionist. Hmm. You know, I am very driven and I am never enough. Hmm. And in my own head, there's always more that should be done. It should be better. I can't watch. I can't listen to my podcast. It just, you know, like you said, like if you, you hear the um, like the whole, I can go 17 minutes with one um and I'm like... Um, why, why, (laughs) you know, I'm going to purchase two milk trucks. You're going to buy, you're going to drive the other one. (laughs) No, I'm like big right now. Nia, our producer knows like right now I'm on fire for ministry. So I don't care if I say um or not, but Mm. if you spend any amount of time not being in ministry, like I've been a nursing assistant in a nursing home and then you get like just a chunk of time. I've just had three weeks off. Yeah. And I've done like 12 podcasts and I wrote a book for Time of Grace and I've wow. done like all this stuff. Like now I, I'm i like, I, I just want to do ministry. Yeah. So I could care less about ums or any of that right now. So, wow. um, but I, I struggle with that. It's always, you're sure. not enough. Yeah. You're never going to be enough. Always something that could be better. Oh, And that's always. what you notice. Yeah. Yeah. So always. true. Hmm. Sermon number three, win Ooh. the battle in my head. Uh, you started this sermon with a list of lies that I'm guessing most of us fall into, which mm. is the worst will happen. I have to do more. I never forgive myself or I'll never forgive them. Mm-hmm. If it's not perfect, it's pathetic. I can't. I don't belong. I'm not good enough. Why are these lies so dangerous? Oh, you said it best before because they're demonic. Mm-hmm. They are. Like he is lies or false thoughts. Jesus said the devil is the father of lies. So... It's kind of cartoony, but you picture the angel and the demon mm-hmm. on your shoulder. Maybe more mm-hmm. accurate is a perfect, loving, truthful, heavenly father and the prince of darkness. Yeah. And like, who, who am I going to pay attention to? Mm-hmm. So not to be dramatic about it, but you're talking walking the road of truth that leads to heaven or the road of lies that lead to hell. And one is joy and peace and the other is suffering and self-doubt. So, yeah, that. It is intent. This is actually the sermon. I hope you can watch the video version of this if you're listening. This is the sermon where I got to smash a bunch of Legos on stage. Yes, and it you was did. it was one of the the most emotionally satisfying moments of 15 years of preaching. I took a giant Bible and I swung as I'm a soccer player, but I swung like a like a, a designated hitter on a baseball team. Yes, and it brought me such sincere joy. But the more I think about it, like yes, 
Paul in 2 Corinthians 10 just uses graphic language. We have to demolish Mm -hmm. these thoughts that are in our head that aren't true. And he's really, it's almost like wartime language. It is. It's spiritual warfare. It's not just, you know, the door-to-door salesman peddling some lie. Like this is someone who's trying to move in to my headspace and peddle this toxic stuff day after day. And it needs to be eradicated and evicted and excommunicated and destroyed. Mm -hmm. And Satan can't steal our faith, but he can paralyze us. Yeah. And he does a great job. I don't know how many times I've gone and put the covers over my head like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. I just, I'm I'm not good enough. I just can't. I can't, you know, whatever. And then, but once you recognize that it's Satan and you're like, yeah, shut up. Yeah. You can get on. That's true. A lot of times we don't even recognize the lies that invade our thoughts and the sabotage that they sabotage our, sabotage our faith walk. So how can we, I think we've done a pretty good job of making people understand but how can we recognize Satan's lies? I think a lot of people aren't self-aware. So how do we become self-aware? Oh. <laughs> In 30 seconds oh. or less. If you're not self-aware, how do, you be, how do you become self-aware? Um, I know this is a shortcut or not, but how about when you're, you're just feeling off, you're feeling negative, you're feeling down or depressed. Let that be a trigger to just do two things. Number one, just scribble on a piece of paper. What am I thinking? And then number two, why am I thinking it? Mm-hmm. So ah, I'm just having like a, I'm frustrated with people at work. Okay, what exactly am I thinking? And I, it might take a second to pause. I'm like, yeah, well, I get. It's always like spaghetti noodles wrapped on top of each other. What are what are the thoughts that I'm thinking? Is it that I'm underappreciated? I have too much work to do. And no one notices the efforts that I put in. And then why am I thinking that? Which is probably like the truth filter. Mm-hmm. Like, do I have any evidence that? Oh, no, actually, you know, my spouse did say something nice. And that was just Tuesday, a couple of days yeah. ago. So maybe they're yeah. not totally ungrateful for me. <laughs> maybe they've just had a busy right. day and didn't notice this one right. thing. So I think let negative emotions be a trigger to ask, what am I thinking and why am I thinking it? And you're probably going to notice a bunch of things like, you know what? If I was in court, I don't have enough evidence to make a case yeah. that someone is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. But if you don't pause to take that, you just live with the negative emotion. It just festers. Yep. And the lie has time to grow into something bigger. And then you have to have Christian friends. Mm, If you don't, oh, I can't highly encourage it enough. Because I just the other day texted someone and I was like, I am feeling this. Mm. And the response was, oh, Amber, you know that's not true. Nice. Yes. So sometimes when you can't get out of it, you have to humble yourself enough to reach out like, yeah. I am feeling this and a good Christian friend will go, show me in the Bible where that's the truth. Yes. Show me. Because yeah. you can't. Yeah. Have you heard Pastor Jeremy from Time of Grace, his story about that? No. I, I don't remember the exact circumstances, but he had a friend who just said, and what in the Bible gives you the right to feel that? Awesome. Which is pretty blunt. You know, you want to validate emotions. You don't want to say that's a wrong emotion. But okay. You... You identify, number one, what you're feeling. Why are you feeling that way? Yeah. And, and does God give you the right to say, I, I, I have the right to be afraid right now because of A, B, and C? Give me blunt friends any day. Yeah. Instead of letting me wallow in that. Yeah. You know, if your friend is just like, I'm sorry you're feeling that way, you're just like, "Yeah." I want a blunt friend. Oh, Amber, you know that's not true. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Yeah. On to the next thing. Yeah. So That's so true. Do you think, I mean... As I think about the modern world we live in, how much is like validating what's inside of me? No. Oh. Do you think most Christians would say what you just said? Like, give me a blunt friend to call me out, 
to Bible slap me, this to is... rebuke me, or no. or are we so sensitive like, well, your job as a friend is to support me? Yeah, and this is, I mean, years into my spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have said that 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I probably would have been offended. Now, I actually pray for friends who are accountability partners and who can encourage me wow. with wisdom. Because I have I have friends who will be yes people. Oh, you did so great. Yeah. Oh, Those people are all the bad ones. You're the good one. <laughs> they're, they're wonderful to have around. I need encouragers. Sure. Yep. I do. But yep. I also need the people who will say, you're off your rocker. Yeah. I mean, that's just not true. That's Everybody needs that. That's awesome. Yeah, if you're listening and that's like a new concept for you, just read the Proverbs. Yeah. The Proverbs will describe, I think more than anything, a wise person is someone who takes correction. Mm-hmm. And fools are the one who hate you when you mm-hmm. contradict what they think. So if you want to be wise, like the more people you can take candid advice from, like mm-hmm. the closer you are to the heart of wisdom, according to the Bible. Yeah, and mm-hmm. learn to be teachable. I've prayed to, for that. You know, I know that I'm not perfect. It took me a long time to realize that. <laughs> like long. <laughs> Kept trying to convince my husband. He's like, no, Amber, Man, you're not perfect. He wasn't buying but it. <laughs> eventually I figured out I wasn't perfect. So um, I was like, okay, then make me teachable. Yeah. If I'm not, I mean yeah. if are, I'm not. But. Are you better at this than I am? I find I am I'm a moody toddler day one when I get critique. And then I think I don't know. The Holy Spirit takes about 24 hours to wear me down until I finally like calm down. And the good news is, I think is, about it and like, you know what? That's you've learned not to respond for those 24 hours. I didn't hours, say that. Right? <laughs> I, did, I did not say that at okay, all. Okay, Mike, you have a huge <laughs> eye opener coming up because nothing hurts quite as much as your 20, 21, 22 year old coming up and saying something that you know is true about how much mm. you suck at something. Mm. Like. Well, that was a stinky supper again. Once again, mom, you burned the whatever. And you're like, <laughs> it's true. It's true. You know, and um, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. But it's not always easy. Sometimes, especially yeah. with my kids, I'm like, well, I mean, who said I had to make supper great every night? Yeah. I mean, you could make <laughs> you supper. Can. You're 21 you, years you old. You can do like, it better. <laughs> you can go to the grocery store. It's not that big of a deal. Yes. And then I'm like, uh. Oh, that's maybe a good. We won't get down this path too far. But. Your initial thought when someone corrects you is right 0.001% of the time. Yeah. Because the, the sinful nature loves nothing more than to wake up and pounce <laughs> yeah, once exactly. we're in the corner. So maybe that's something especially to be aware of. I, I love your advice. Take a deep breath. Even if you're sinning in your head, don't open your mouth just yet because <laughs> that's the stuff that will do more damage. Which isn't good either. <laughs> Confess. <laughs> yeah. Also yeah, true. true. Yeah, well said. Okay, so once we know the lies, we can combat them with God's word. And that too, I mean, if you're not familiar with God's word, that might sound like hmm. this impossible thing to do. Oh, yep. you can just, whatever you're thinking, the answer's in God's word. Yep. Are there some practical tips for how we can do that? Yes. Google it. Because <laughs> Google's right. No, wait, wait, wait. No. Which of your sermons you're no. like, the internet is not right. <laughs> All right. Here's why I'm saying that. One of the huge blessings of the internet is the ability to instantly compile information. Yeah. So I guarantee you, if I pulled out my phone and Googled best Bible passages on forgiveness, on mm-hmm. grace, right. like I bet you 10 bucks right now, the first examples would be from really good Christian websites that have basically gone through the Bible yeah. and come up with a top 10 list on passages on forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So if you're new to the Bible and don't know where to search for it just yet, you can use a Bible app. You can just use an internet search and just type in your question 
And I, I bet you, you will find more clarity than confusion mm -hmm. on what you read. Good idea. You talked about the lie that kept sneaking into your head. You've already mentioned it, the you suck mm. every Sunday. Mm. So how's that going? You told us that you had put a list of seven Bible passages yes. on your podium. I did. I do. So are they still there? They are. And are you still struggling or? Yeah. So that Sunday blues thing. Yeah. So one of my, I'm like, okay, I fought this too long. I need to use God's word as a weapon. So I found, yeah, those top seven passages like, nope, my word is powerful. It's living and active. Um, it's like a seed. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you plant a seed and you don't see the results in a second. So maybe I shouldn't judge the worthiness of a sermon or a church service on what happens in the lobby. <laughs> like tw the 12 one minutes, yawn 12, that you saw. Maybe, the maybe you should I saw you yawning. <laughs> yeah, I can, you know, by the grace of God, I was really grateful that you asked this question. Like, you know what? It really is different. Um, it really is so much better. It happens, but... Man, it's gone from uh, three out of every four Sundays to one out of every eight. Awesome. Maybe. Um, I should be tested. We've been in a, a really blessed season of kind of numerical growth at our church. So that could maybe mask it. It, it feels better because there's more people. Yeah. But I really think thanks to the word and friends like Amna and Tony mm -hmm. that I've seen a, a great improvement there. Yeah. And once you recognize it as Satan, then you can just tell him to shut up. And then it yeah. makes a huge Huge difference. Yeah. Awesome. Mm. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I'm thank thankful. You. The last sermon is Don't Give Up on Jesus. And mm. you preached on Hebrews 3 1. Fix your eyes on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Why fix our eyes on Jesus? Because he's Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and next the next question. <laughs> and we're done. And we're done. See you later. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, the point is, I mean, and I went into this more before, but our society doesn't look at Jesus as necessarily the best thing to go to for answers. Hmm. Yes. So if you look to Jesus, yeah. you're saying look to Jesus. And I work a lot with teens, young adults. Sure. That's where my, you know, and I'm, I'm telling them all the time, this is so counterculture. Yep. Like, but it's the answer. Yes. But it's so counterculture. When you want to Google. Yep. Why do I feel crappy? If you keep the Christian part out of it, well, maybe you have a brain, you know, something wrong in your serotonin levels, or maybe the people around you haven't mm. treated you with respect. Maybe people aren't validating you. Maybe, you know. Mm, yeah. So why, why Jesus? Yeah. So the founding pastor of the church where I'm at, the core, he had this great line. All these years later, I'm still using it. STP equals LTP, which is his way of saying short-term pain equals long-term pleasure. So why Jesus? Short-term, he's going to cost you, right? You're going to yeah. have to fight your own thoughts. You're going to submit your will and desires and orientation and everything, your time, your money. Yeah. And that is painful. I think that's why a lot of people avoid Jesus. But this pastor was trying to say, yes, and yeah. if you deny yourself and take up your cross, you get to be with Jesus, which is long-term heaven, identity, forgiveness, being loved by the perfect definition of love forever and ever. No pain, no mourning, no crying, every tear wiped away. So yeah, that's why to fix your thoughts on Jesus. Because if I turn inside my own head or to this world, they can offer me some short-term pleasure, mm -hmm. but that's it. Who, who can save me? Who can give me heaven? Who holds eternal life in his hand? It's only Jesus. And so if, this may be a crass way to put it, but if you care about maximum happiness for your own life, Jesus is the obvious choice. Yeah. You have such a great illustration in this. 
I don't know if you remember it, the mop handle. Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Which we won't talk about anymore. You can tune in and see oh, it. But it really was a good illustration of if you focus here, yep. you will fall. Yep. If you focus here, you won't. I mean, then you can do this a lot longer. You can maintain and you can yes. keep afloat and whatever. So, yeah. yeah, and I'm glad that no one got killed or hurt or murdered. <laughs> with that too this was like i remember that this on the one of the sermons i was standing on top of a stool and like risking my wife was scared the other one i'm smashing legos with the bible and then it was like the yes the sermon series of props this is a violent (laughs) sermon series so if you're into violence this is a good one you did you caught the mop handle and then you like you started to go off and then you're like oh we were really nervous about that (laughs) (laughs) like we are all breathing a sigh of relief so oh, that's outstanding. risk takers beware hmm. okay you talked about the temple you got into the temple the holy of holies the temple curtain yep i don't know if you've ever heard that josephus i used to teach this in bible history so who's the, josephus he's a historian <laughs> i mean i know you know <laughs> <laughs> yes just in case you're throwing me just, a softball uh, well, yeah. who's josephus no, I'm, I'm a lot of our friends listening yeah, have yeah. not heard of the first century jewish historian Very josephus good. yes yeah. thank you for that so what did he say so the temple curtain was a hand breath, which means Wait, it was what's like, a hand breath? <laughs> I was getting there. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was getting there. I had my hand up and everything. So the width of like a hand, so like four to five inches thick. Yeah. Crazy. So Josephus said, if you would have put a team of horses on this side mm-hmm. and a team of horses on this side and pulled, it could not have torn the curtain. Wow. So that's like serious horsepower. Like yeah. if you think it was just, you know... Oh, it was probably weak, you know, so it tore on the day that Jesus died. It was probably a little weak. It's no, you don't get it. Like this is fundamental, Hmm. monumental. Hmm. So we're so quick to give up on Jesus. Hmm. And yet Jesus went through a lot to make that curtain tear in two. Yes. Why does that curtain and God's presence, what does that have to do with me feeling like following God is too high of a cost? Yeah. Yeah, so to connect the the imagery, in the Old Testament temple, God's very presence was behind that thick curtain. And the curtain was meant to symbolize, like, you, could, you just can't walk into God's presence. He's God and you're human. And so when Jesus dies on the cross, and I think it's Mark 15, 38, says the curtain torn to from top to bottom. Yeah. Like, God opened the way through the death of Jesus for you to come into his presence. Um, actually, two two days ago, I was doing a visit in jail with a guy who he got out of prison after 24 years, oh, was at our church wow. for a while, and he's back, um, unfortunately, uh, waiting another case. And during that time, he came to church, and we were talking about the death of Jesus. And um, just hearing him say it in his simple way of like, who who else would do something like that? Yeah. Who who would suffer for me that way? Who would give me something so great like the presence of God at great cost to himself? Mm-hmm. You know, his death. So that a person like me, who, with all my past my incarceration, my legal record, so that I could be with God forever. So, you know, to me, and this is what the book of Hebrews is about. These Christians were suffering. Their property was being confiscated. Some of them were almost to the point of shedding their blood for Jesus. Why would you stick with him? Yeah. And this is the author's answer. Because no no one would give you the presence of God forever and ever except Jesus. Yeah. So you give up Jesus. You give up God. There is no other way to him. So what do you want to do? Do you want a simpler life where Jesus is out of the picture or do you want eternal life where he's at the center of everything? So I, I think about this all the time. I give a, um, 
every semester I go to local high school and I talk about sexuality with a little mm -hmm. book we have at Time of Grace called Gay and God. And this, to me, it just does not make sense, the sacrifice you make with your sexuality, unless you actually believe that Jesus has given you eternal life. So it, it is hard. And I don't care whether you're oriented to be gay or straight. Mm -hmm. Like, even if you're straight, even if you're married, to be totally committed to one person, to not lust, to not make your spouse compete, yeah. to resist pornography or fantasizing or romance novels. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't care who you are. That's a great sacrifice to make. That's not, re that's not human. It's not the way we're wired. So why would you do it? And my answer to the kids is always, we got to keep Jesus at the center of this conversation. Yeah. If you forget who he is, what he did, and what he's offering you, this is going to seem like a raw deal, like God is robbing you. But no, no, no. The author of Hebrews would say, even if you die for Jesus, he, he's torn the curtain and given you God forever and ever. Yeah. So you lose the glory of God. That minimizes the sacrifice of Jesus, and that makes obedience a bad deal instead of the most obvious choice. That's that short-term pain, long-term pleasure. Exactly. I can't say it as fast as you. Yes. <laughs> I have to think it through, but so true. Yeah. So you ask us to focus less on the hard part mm. of walking with Jesus and focus more on, hey, we have God's presence now. I mean, yeah. we can pray yes. and we're right there. Like we don't have to wait yeah. for waiting. You know, my hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 10. Yes. If you call any other time, I'm unavailable. Yeah. And so how do we keep the glories in front of us when we're going through what seems like an awfully hard, cruel time. Because, I mean, it's easy to say, hey, guys, like, let's not focus here. Yeah. But when you're in high school and you literally don't know another Christian friend because you're mm -hmm. at a public school and yeah. your history teacher is barking about Christians and what they've done to the world mm -hmm. and your science teacher is telling you about evolution, mm -hmm. practically speaking, mm -hmm. how are we doing this? How are we focusing on, hey, you've got God's presence right now mm -hmm. versus... This is hard. Ooh. It's a great question. Um, it, it does take a little bit of spiritual maturity and insight. It just dawns on me. In Hebrews, after all these sections on suffering, it talks about this great cloud of witnesses. Yes. And you think of, you know, what was it like to be, what was it like to be the Christians who fought against bigotry or slavery or fought for the value of women or the inclusion of the Gentiles in the church. Like they were rejected by their peers. The prophets. The, the powers yeah. that be. Who were killed. But when you look back on them, you don't pity them. No. You say, I'm, I'm proud that they stood strong and did what was right. Mm -hmm. They were outnumbered. Sometimes the whole culture was against them. So not that you have to be a history major, but before Hebrews 12, you know, talks about let's rend with perseverance and fix yeah. our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 11 is saying, don't forget about Noah who was yeah. mocked when he built the ark. And don't forget about, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And so. so maybe it takes a little perspective, whether it's a, an older Christian that you know who's been through some stuff mm -hmm. or a friend who stood their ground. You know, maybe you stop and say, five years from now, what would future me say about this moment? Yeah. I'm so glad you gave in. <laughs> no. Are, aren't you proud that you compromised? Um, no, there's going to be those times, like, even if it stinks in the moment, I stood with Jesus. Yeah. And nothing's going to make me happier when this is over than that. And you saying the great cloud of witnesses, too. My guess is that you are not the only one in that public high school. For sure. Even if you feel like it, my yeah. guess is there might be someone else in that history class. Yeah. Or biology class or whatever who's thinking the same thing and praying for the strength and just... Yeah. 
trying to get through. So even that whole, I'm the only one. Yeah. No, you're not. Like there's a whole lot of us that are standing against culture day after day after day. Yeah. You know what inspired me when I was a teenager? So Mm -hmm. I definitely was not the only Christian at my high school, but I went to a public high school. Yeah. Uh, There was, you know, a lot of support. I remember as a teenager, I, I got on fire for, for Jesus in those years. Um, learning about the voice of the martyrs. Oh yeah, me too. Of like yep. Christians who, yep. they they burned them, they imprisoned them, they threatened them, mm-hmm. and it was so. I mean, it was an, an intense. Yeah. Uh, I, I read a, a couple of books that DC Talk, the old uh, Christian band, wrote, yeah. and I remember those being like, yes, mm-hmm. like I that, I was convinced, like I'm going to die for my faith, and I'm going to be preaching Jesus it's even. So- even if they want to kill me and just that of like, yes, this is, insp- I don't, I don't feel bad for these people. Like you're so dumb. You should have given in and rejected Jesus. Yep. I'm like, yes, you, you receive the crown of glory to the Jesus who said, be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you the crown of life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, read stories of martyrs and those who've sacrificed. Think about what future you would say about this moment. Get into the word and find examples of Christians who stood their ground. Yeah. And that's going to be great fuel so you don't give up on Jesus. Almost every single women's Bible study I have, when we're praying, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, that we can come to our church Hmm. and nobody's standing outside, you know, either throwing stones at us or threatening us, or we're not meeting in a cave because, Hmm. you know, we're in danger of being killed. Yeah. Like this is, we take this for granted all the time. We're mad we ran out of coffee. Yeah. What? (laughs) No. This is the cross I have to bear. (laughs) I'm thrilled with your church and its coffee. I'm, I'm in. Sign me yeah, up. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Amber, for talking oh, about you. you know our headspace. It matters for all of us, every stage of life, male, female, sure pastor, does. person in the pew. Um, it's The devil knows the way to shape your beliefs and behaviors through your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And because their first thoughts are rarely right, I really hope this sermon series is a blessing and this podcast has given people a lot to think about. So any closing words for our friends who are watching, who are listening? No, I think you you hit it on the head. All right. So I hope you all can uh, jump over to timeofgrace.org. Uh, we're pretty excited here in January, kicking off a new year, trying to think God's thoughts. So we've actually compiled four resources into one for you. Pretty exciting. Uh, my book, What's Big, Start Small, which is about the power of God's little word to grow into something really big. We're combining that with Dr. Bruce Becker's workbook called Bigger Faith a bookmark that's going to remind you of those truths and a DVD based on this series. So one, two, three, four things all put together. Woo! It was a ton of work for the Time of Grace team. I wonder what our like graphic artists and everyone thought. <laughs> four, four things. So yeah, we went big to start the new year to try to give you all a big boost in your faith. So go over to timeofgrace.org. You can find out more about that. Happy 2023 to y'all. Thanks yeah, again, Amber, for, sure. for being here. Happy to be. Yeah. God bless y'all and have a great day.